Turn with us to John 14 this morning. John 14. We've been on a series for a few weeks now about the words of Jesus. Prior to that, for a number of weeks, we were on the subject of becoming a disciple of Jesus. And many of us decided that we don't want to just be believers. We want to be disciples of the Lord. That's a higher level, greater level of commitment. And we want Him, you know, nothing to be preeminent over Him in our lives, but we don't try to get Him to help us with our life. We get the plan for our life from Him and follow it and conform our life in every part to Him. He's Lord and we're His disciples. Well, we found that one of the key things to becoming and developing and being a disciple was finding and keeping and doing the words of the Master. So in verse 21, John 14, 21, let's read it again. It says, He that has my commandments and keeps them, he it is that loves me. And he that loves me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him, and will manifest myself to him. The Amplified on that, amplifying the word manifest, he says, I will love him and show, reveal, manifest myself to him. I will let myself be clearly seen by him. Who are we talking about here? Who are we talking about? Jesus. The head of the church is going to let himself be clearly seen by us. And is going to make himself real to us. Does this excite you? This is big. This is big. Now who's he going to do this for? Everybody? No. Read the next verse. Judas said to him, not Judas Iscariot, different Judas. He said, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? You know that there are a whole lot of people on the planet today. And as far as they can tell, there is no God. He's not real to them at all. They don't believe God exists. They don't believe in Jesus. They don't believe the gospel. They don't believe any of it. And to them, as far as they're concerned, they have no reason to believe. Verse 22, or 23 rather. Jesus answered and said to him, If a man love me. Now here's the thing. Unbelievers in the world, they want you to show them something. And then they're going to believe. You hear the phrase, seeing is believing. That's not true. It's not true at all. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things what? Not seen. We walk by faith. Not by sight. I mean that's absolutely an untrue statement. Seeing is believing. Seeing won't give you faith. You can see firsthand. You can see three feet from your nose. The most amazing miracles. And still walk away doubting. 
Seeing does not make you believe. But so many in the world, the reason why God is not real to them at all is because they take that position. Well, prove it to me and I'll believe. Well, it's not our job to prove anything to you. (laughs) And you should not try. It's not our job. It's our job to proclaim the good news, to live it, believe it ourselves, be a light, be a witness. But it's not our job to prove that God is real to people or prove that He exists. And God Himself is not going to do it. In fact, the Scripture says He's a God who hides Himself. And yet here we read He's a God who reveals Himself. Are both of those true? Yep. It depends on who you're talking about. To those that won't believe him and don't love him and won't obey him, he's a God who hides himself. It's like he doesn't exist to them. But to those who before they see, believe. Though they haven't seen him yet, they love him. (laughs) Is that us? Somebody say, that's me, that's me. I mean, I hadn't been to heaven. I hadn't seen the Father on the throne I haven't uh, seen Jesus, but I believe Him. I believe in Him. I love Him. I mean, what proof have I got that He's coming back again? (laughs) I mean, century after century passes. He hadn't come back yet. Why are we so sure He's coming back? He said He was. (laughs) We believe it. We're believers. That's what we are. It's what we do. And because we do, and because we love Him, and because we'll do what He said without having seen or fully understood, we're the ones He makes Himself real to. He reveals Himself to. And Faith Life Church is after it. We we want to become doers of the Word more than ever before, And holding on to what he told us that he'd reveal himself to us. Make himself more real to us than he's ever been. I will manifest myself to them. We talk about this and even our little ones. They learn how to say I'm a doer. (laughs) I'm a doer. I'm a doer of the word of God. But it is all important. I know uh, some years ago I was in a big meeting. And I wasn't the one speaking that night, but I was just there enjoying it and looking around. and saw a number of my friends there, and it was just a big crowd. And I wasn't thinking about this, but something came up in my spirit. I don't mean I heard a voice, but inside me, the Lord said to me, there's a misconception in your circles. Now, I know what he means by that. So us so-called faith people, word people. I mean, every Christian is a faith person. You can't be a Christian without having some faith. And that comes from the Word. But uh, some people emphasize it more than others. And uh, I thought, a misconception. What, Lord? What misconception? And he spoke to my heart further. I don't mean I heard a voice, but inside me. He said that if you'll, quote, get in the Word enough, it'll solve all your problems. And I thought, well, yeah, (laughs) We pretty much believe that, that if you'll get in the Word enough, uh, it'll solve all your problems. And what do we mean by that? Well, if you'll get into meetings and 
and get in the tapes and, and get in the books and, and read your chapters. And he said, wrong. He said, it's only the doer of the word that gets results. And I began to ponder that. And I thought, okay, that answers a lot of questions. That's, that explains how you can go to conferences for 14 years and still have the same problems you had when you started. You can have a, a closet full of CDs and DVDs on the subject and still be failing in that area. It's not just going to the meetings. It's not just hearing the tapes. It's what? You got to do it. You got to put it into practice. You got to do it. And we're talking about being a disciple. How many know you can't be a disciple unless you're a doer? No way you can be a disciple of the Lord and not be a doer. Listen to Luke 6, 46. Luke 6, 46. He said, why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? He's not Lord unless and until you start doing what he said. And the biggest hindrance to us doing his will is our will. Did you know that? The biggest hindrance, the biggest thing in the way of living the life he's planned for us is the life we planned for ourselves. Absolutely. That's what we kept seeing in teaching on being a disciple. He talked about in that same passage in Luke, he said the man that, that was a doer of his word was like the man that digged deep and put his foundation on a rock. Remember that? The person who heard the word but didn't do it. And we have to watch that because we have so much available to us now. Don't we? Man, we've got, we can put a thousand hours of uh, Holy Ghost teaching on something small enough to put in our pocket and go around with it night and day, right? I mean, no other generation's ever had anything like this. And yet, all that hearing's not going to help you, not going to change your life, unless you do something with it, unless you put something into practice. And it, it is all too easy to be a hearer, but not a doer. Let me stir you up a little bit. You know, we have good materials available to us, but we should listen to them or watch them with a readiness to implement. Shouldn't we? It's all too easy to come to church like you're coming to a show or a concert or a movie and just sit back and go, wow me. Impress me. Entertain me. And that's not what church is. And yet you have to watch about listening to materials that way. You can listen to a CD and you can go, wow, that's great. Where's number two? Where's this two? We can play out. We play all, you know, five, six, seven, eight, nine of them. We go, that was great. Man, I got nine pages of notes out of that. What does that mean? I said, what does that mean? What if you got 30 pages of notes? What does that mean? We seem to think that's an accomplishment. I'm meddling now, ain't I? We seem to think we did something because we showed up and wrote stuff down. 
sitting in the chair and making notes is not being a doer of the word. (laughs) You can come to church and make notes for 30 years and do nothing. I'm not knocking coming to church or taking notes. But don't think you've done anything because you did that. Oh, we're having fun now, aren't we? (laughs) Only, 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 only the doers get miracles. Only the doers get results. What did you, we studied this earlier in chapter two. What did Jesus' mother tell them at the wedding feast? What'd she tell them by the Holy Ghost that was the key to the beginning of miracles in Jesus' ministry? What'd she say? What'd she say? Whatever he says to you, take good notes. (laughs) Make sure we got a good quality DVD. Make sure the audio is good. That's not going to change your life. Whatever he says to you, talk about it. Think about it. Get with your friends and have an exchange. Discuss it. Look up all the Greek words. And read all the commentaries. And get in it. Get, get in it. Uh-uh. You can do all that. You can do all that and get nothing. Nothing. Tell me what she said. Tell me what she said. What the Spirit of God said through her. Whatever He says to you, do it. Somebody say, do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. And He said, the man who hears my words, a woman who hears my words, and does them, I'll tell you who they're like. They're like somebody that digs deep. They cut through all the junk, all the hype, all the hoopla, all the wasted time. And they build their house on something solid, on the rock. And you can't tell the difference at first between note takers and doers. A lot of them have the same kind of looking house until the storm hits. (laughs) But when the storms of life come, and all of us have stuff to deal with, you know, yeah, I mean, you may do everything you know to do things right, but that don't mean all your friends and family is going to do things right. There's all kind of stuff around about you. You can have things to deal with that you didn't plan on. In the future, the wind starts howling. You hear the hail against the window panes. Oh, but when it's built on the rock, when, tell me what it means being built on the rock. Being a doer of the word is what puts you on the rock. Only being a doer, not just a churchgoer, not just a DVD player, a doer of the word. And he said, man, the wind blew and the rain beat against it. Tell me what happened to it. What happened to it? The one on the sand was gone. It fell and it fell hard. Great was the fall of it. But the one on the solid rock, the doer, it stood. When everything quit raining and blowing, it was standing there just like it was before the storm started. Glory to God. Because it was built on 
rock. Is that you? Is that your marriage? Is that your family? Is that your ministry? On the rock. What's the rock? You see, a lot of people say Jesus. That's not what the parable said. What's the rock? The rock is you being a doer of the word. Go back and read the story for yourself. Check up on me. See if I'm telling it right or not. Say it out loud just for good measure though. I'm a doer. doer. Say it again. I'm a doer. I'm a doer. I'm a doer. Of the word of God. Thank you Lord. Thank you Lord. So as things come up. Don't just check up on what you know. Or what you've heard. Check up on what you're doing. That's the key. Go to John 4. And let's examine ourselves more in the light of Jesus' words. And as we go through these, that's what we're asking ourselves. Do we know this? Do we understand it? Do we know who said this? And what's the big thing? Are we doing this? And if we are, are we doing it fully? Can we do it better? Can we do it more fully? More perfectly? We saw last time in John 4, Jesus talked to the woman at the well. And by the word of knowledge, things were brought out about her life, and she, a big change was made in her. She became a little evangelist, ran back to her hometown, and apparently her life had been less than successful, and her reputation might not have been that great. And when the disciples came back and saw him talking to her in verse 27, John 4:27. His disciples marveled that he talked with the woman. But they didn't ask him. They didn't say, what seekest thou or why talkest thou with her? And I I asked myself the question previously. Why were they so surprised that he's talking to her? And I began to think about the words of the Lord that he said concerning uh, David and the call on his life, King David and his brothers, he said, don't look on the outward appearance. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. A lot of people that might have seen this woman might not have thought she was worth taking much time to talk to. Maybe she's there at the wrong time of the day, an indication of a woman of ill reputation. She, when Jesus first started talking to her, she's full of prejudice. There were some issues there. But he saw something besides that. How many think we ought to be like the master? And not just see the outward appearance. But by faith, see the heart. And believe God to show us. You know, years ago I remember I was flying to some meeting and I was sitting by a guy. And he was drinking, oh, brother, he was lit before he got on there. And cussing, oh, and he's just acting foul and rude. And uh, finally, a few minutes into the flight, he looks over at me and he goes, and what do you do? (laughs) And I told him, and he said, huh. (laughs) And he got quiet. (laughs) 
And he picked up his whiskey and he said, you know, I know better than this. <laughs> My mama raised me not talk like this either, he said. And he's waiting on me to jump on him. He's waiting on me to jump on that wagon with him and condemn him. But why should I do that? See, that's one of the reasons why so many people, their family members, their own kids, have clammed up with them and won't talk to them. Because all they see is the outside. They have no spiritual discernment. And the love is not there like it should be. God didn't call us to judge. Did he? Jesus himself. He didn't come to bring judgment. He came to save. He said, I didn't come to bring condemnation. Well, if Jesus is not the minister of condemnation, we sure ought not be. Why in the world we think we ought to be? Yeah, but what they're doing is wrong. Well, so what? What if it is? It's like you never did anything wrong. So many Christians are such hypocrites. They're such hypocrites. I've seen guys just pitch a fit in a restaurant because somebody at a neighboring table used a foul word, cuss word. And they got all huffy and they said, you know, you're not going to talk that way in front of my wife and my kids. And they just got all self-righteous. And I happened to know that the rascal had sat in front of the TV and listened to cussing for three hours. (laughs) That's being a hypocrite, isn't it? (laughs) Big fat hypocrite. God didn't call us to judge. He called us to be lights. And he said, by this shall all men know that you're my disciples. By what? If you have love one to another. You love each other like I love you. And we're not going to call it right if it's sin and wrong. But it's just not for us to call. He kept waiting for me to jump on him and berate him about his cussing and berate him about his drunken, stupid behavior. That ain't his problem. Cussing's not his problem. Getting drunk's not his problem. Making passes at the flight attendants, that's not his problem. Tell me what his problem is. He needs to get to God. Right? He needs to believe on Jesus. He needs to get right with God. And you don't attack that from the outside. You can never straighten somebody up by working on the outside. It's the inside. And it's not what they need. It's not what I see. It's what can they receive today. What will they receive today? What would help them the most They don't need to know everything about this. They just need to know a step. There's a step that they can take right where they are right now that'll head them towards God. They'll just start that way. He'll help them with the rest. 
And if they can get to him and get built up in him and realize what he's done for them and who they are in him and get strong, the rest of this stuff will begin to fall off. And it's not my job to talk to them about that anyway. Oh, can you see this, friends? They wondered why he was talking to this woman. He saw something they didn't. And you can see the reality of it. You can see the confirmation of it. Man, even though she's had a rough life and messed up a lot of ways, she blasts out of there and goes become an evangelist to her whole town. Didn't she? I mean, next thing you know, all the leading men of her city, the whole bunch is out there listening to Jesus because of her. God has chosen people you wouldn't pick. Didn't he? Foolish things. Weak things. Things the world calls ignorant and unable and no hope. And and God will use them. Just to show you what you don't know. And what he knows. Right? He does it on purpose. He looks at somebody that's the most unlikely candidate and goes, I'll use them. <laughs> Probably some of the angels even sometimes go, wow. <laughs> him? <laughs> and the other one bump him and go, shut up. He's done it before. I've seen him. Yeah. <laughs> he can use anybody. I've seen him talk through donkeys. God is amazing. If God is willing to see people that way, why shouldn't we see people that way? Why shouldn't we be willing? Say, everybody say it out loud in sincerity. Say, Father God, open my eyes. Help me to see people the way you do. Not judging after the outward appearance, but to see the heart. To see what's precious, what's valuable in your eyes. And make me a blessing. Use me to show your love and encourage everyone I can. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. We'll be on the watch. But uh, don't forget the first part. Don't jump on and judge people because of the stuff and things that's not right. That ain't the big deal. Big deal is the heart. Keep going down in, in John. She went and told them and they all came out. And verse 42 said, uh, now we believe, the whole bunch, not just because of what you said, we've heard him for ourselves. And we know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. And he is. And after two days, he departed thence and went to Galilee. And Jesus himself testified, a prophet has no honor in his own country. Was Jesus hindered in his own hometown? The Bible said he could there do no mighty work. So he laid his hands on a few people, sickly people. and Didn't see the kind of results that he saw in other places. Again, we're talking about the same thing here. Even though they didn't consider him to be a bad person, a sinner, They knew he lived a righteous life, yet they didn't esteem him as an anointed man of God. They said, we know him as Joseph and Mary's boy. He fixed a plow for my brother. My cousin works with his sister down at the grocery store. And And they couldn't see that. Who's he saying he's anointed? Are they judging after the outward appearance? They're just looking after the outward. Did they miss miracles in their own hometown? 
because of not seeing, having any spiritual discernment about them, and just looking on the outside. We prayed a prayer. You believe God heard that prayer just a moment ago? So he's going to help us to not just see the outside, not just judge after the outward uh, appearance, but we're going to have some discernment. We'll see things we haven't been seeing. So many times people do weird stuff on the outside to try to hide their fears and hide their hurts. And people get mean and gruff and they do weird stuff. And that's not them. They're just acting out because they don't know what to do. Don't let that move you. Let God show you their heart. And I've seen some of the biggest, gruffest, most bizarre looking folks just crumble before the presence of God. They were expecting you to make comments about this or that or these outward issues. And you just ignore all that and just love them. And I've seen people cry and say, I need you, would you pray for me? And before they were trying to scare you. But when you can see like God sees, none of that stuff moves you. God, that's, what does that mean? That's nothing, that's nothing. God loves them. He sees them. I know we were riding down the street in the rough, rough part of town. This is some years ago. You'd remember this, Phil, with some older ministers. And uh, there were some people on the street corner. Man, they look rough. Oh, brother, you didn't want to slow down. You know, you just want to keep going. And uh, the pastor's wife, she looked over there. She said, mm-mm. She said, that's somebody's baby. And we thought, yeah, that's somebody's baby. That's somebody's son. That's somebody's daughter. And it's God's creation. Right? And he wants them to be his sons. His daughters. We've got to quit seeing on the outside. And let God show us the inside. We'll begin to have results like never before. We'll begin to be much, much more usable to God. Well, Jesus came to Galilee, verse 45. And when he came there, the Galileans received him. Having seen all the things that he did at Jerusalem at the feast, they also went to the feast. So Jesus came again into Cana of Galilee, where he made the water wine. That was, the Bible said, the first miracle in his ministry. And we talked about that, didn't we? Anybody remember? Party. Yeah. (laughs) It really is amazing that his first miracle wasn't somebody getting healed or delivered. It was party supplies. Now, that's amazing, and a lot of people, they don't like that. They wouldn't have said that, but Jesus is a fun Jesus. I'm telling you, he's a fun Jesus. The world ever found out just how fun Jesus is, they'd quit running from him and run to him. He's amazing. He's wonderful. He is literally the life of the party. He is. He is. So don't let all these grumpy, confused Christians confuse you just because they're miserable and not having any fun don't mean that's christianity they're just not doing it right (laughs) there was a certain nobleman the bible said whose son was sick at capernaum and when he heard that jesus was come out of judea into galilee he went to him and besought him because he obviously had heard about people being healed in jesus ministry that he would come down what did he beseech him to do He wants him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. He's about to die. 
This is his boy. Now tell me, what does he want Jesus to do? Come down to his house and heal him. Jesus said to him, except you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. Here's that thing we were talking about earlier. What's the man wanting to happen? He wants to see something. Does it work that way? You see, then you believe. No, it doesn't work that way. How does it work? You believe, then you see. That's what the psalmist said. Unless I had believed to see, I'd have fainted. Unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. It's not seeing is believing. It's not seeing and then we'll believe. You try to do that, you'll miss your miracle. What is it? Believe. But now notice the man's response. What did he say to him? The nobleman said to him, Sir, come down. What's he fixated on here? He wants him to come to his house. He's got it in his mind that that's how his boy could be healed. Jesus is going to come to his house if he can just get him to come to his house and maybe lay hands on him or pray for him or speak over him. And then something could happen. But Jesus said you're wanting to see something. And unless you see something. You're not ready to believe. You're wanting to see something first. Is this a problem friends? Have a lot of people gotten in the same situation. With him. They're wanting to see something. Then they're going to believe. That's not how you get miracles. Tell me again. how How do you get miracles? Jesus mother. Brought the word there. Whatever he says to you, do it. And that is still faith, but faith without works or action is dead. If you really believe something, you'll act on it. And what did Jesus tell the man? Read it. Next verse. Jesus said to him what? Go your way, your son lives. So is Jesus coming to his house? I reckon not. (laughs) So he's got a choice. Doesn't he? He's got to decide something right here. What if he had continued to plead with Jesus to come to his house? How would that have worked? He's already said it twice. You know this is what he wants to happen. But Jesus is not doing what he wants him to do. Come down to my house and heal my boy. Jesus said, unless you see something, you're not going to believe, are you? He said, please. Please come to my house. Jesus said, go. Go your way. He lives. What if he'd have said, thank you, Lord, for saying that, but... Could you come? Could you come to my house? Please. You know, we've been supporters of your ministry for 10 years. Could you come? It won't take long. It's just right down there. It probably won't take us, you know, that long. Could you come? Please. Now, see, we live in a society where if a preacher 
doesn't say yes and come. He's not a real man or woman of God. And that's because the respect for God has fallen to such a low level. And people are so self-willed. They want things the way they want them. And they expect you to do what they ask. And that's one reason why so many don't get miracles. Things don't happen. Because they want it their way. You remember Naaman the Syrian? Who was a leper? He found out there was a man of God. Found out people had been healed under his ministry. So he comes over. He's an important man in his country. He's a dignitary. They make the trip. Their entourage rolls up at the prophet's house. And the prophet didn't even come see him personally. He sent his helper down to him. Now, now, now get this, guys. The Lord did that on purpose. Didn't he? Why? Because this guy thinks he should have special treatment because of who he is. And the Lord don't feel that way about it. <laughs> so he tells his man, don't go. For all we know, the prophet was ready to go. When the Lord tells you don't go, you best listen to him. And do it the way he tells you to do it. I've had people get mad at me because I wouldn't do things the way they wanted me to do them. And they didn't realize the night before the Lord woke me up in wee hours of the morning and directed me, don't do it that way. Well, what am I going to do? Do what he said or what you said? Well, to me, it's fairly simple. (laughs) But it doesn't mean people don't get upset. They do. People get upset. That's something. Somebody said something the other day, and I, Phyllis and I remarked about it more than once. I thought that's one of the most intelligent things I've, I've heard in a long time. One of my own men here in the church, and uh, we're talking about not being able to do some things, you know, as friends with everybody. I mean, it's a lot of people here. I mean, you can't spend a day with everybody all the time, and it just wouldn't work out mathematically. And he said, he said, that's all right. He said, brother, he said, I got plenty of friends. He said, I need a pastor. I thought, smart man. He said, friends I got. Well, the man came and his helper came and said, "Uh, you, that Naaman guy. His helper said, General Naaman to you. Right. (laughs) But you're him, right? (laughs) Yeah, it's him. Uh, my, My boss said, tell you go over to Jordan. And get in there and dip real good. Seven times. That's it. Go. Boy, it made him mad. Oh, Naaman got so mad. He fumed. And the scripture says, he said, surely I thought. And that's the problem. Surely I thought the man would come out. And he would strike his hand over the place and call on the name of his God and would cure me of my leprosy. He didn't even come out. He thinks he's going to pray over me and he's going to lay hands on me. And that's just what he ought to do. Oh, friends, we don't have so much 
problems this way, but I know from dealing with other situations we've dealt with recently, I know, how can I say this? So many pastors are just little hirelings in their own church. They're scared to even preach what the Lord gives them to preach. People tell them what to do and when to go and where and how, and they don't dare say, no, I'm not going to do that. Politics. And people boss their elders and they boss their men and women of God and they demand and they tell, which shows they do not respect God who put these people and gave these gifts to them and over them. Now, there's no place in leadership for people to be arrogant. I don't mean that either. But if you respect God, you must respect those he's placed over you. And if he gives them a word, do something a different way than what you thought, what is it time to do? It is time to change. It's time to make an adjustment. Naaman got mad. They took off. They peeled out. And they're running down the road going back home. And he's, he's about to miss the whole thing. And his helper says, you know, we came and brought all this money and clothes. And we were ready to do big things. Why not this little thing? He just said, go dip. Why not just do it? And thank God he relented. He said, well, all right, let's go. And they went over there. And he dipped down, probably grumbling the whole time. I got cleaner rivers than this at the house. What is the deal? I stink. I need to go to the river and dip and dip. And the seventh time. How many know, even if you don't know everything and you got questions, if you'll just do it, if you'll just do what he told you to do, you can get a miracle in spite of your confused self. Yes, if you'll just do it. If you'll just do it. No matter how much you think you understand it, if you never do it, nothing's going to happen. And the seventh time he came up, glory to God, that terrible, incurable, deforming leprosy left him. And in the place where his skin and body had been damaged and, and paralyzed and no feeling was like little baby skin. Oh, Glory to God. Don't you know he was shouting all the way back over to the man of God. Said, you think he cared whether he actually shook the man's hand or not at this point? It ain't shaking a man's hand that's going to save you. It ain't somebody giving you some personal one-on-one that's going to heal you. It's doing, 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 doing what he said. And here's this man standing there. And he wants Jesus to come to his house. We know he really wants that. He's told Jesus that too many times already. And the Lord looks at him and says, you need to go. Your son lives. And thank God. This is why he's in the book. This is why this story's here where some others are not. I don't know what the man had to do, but he didn't bring it up again. About Jesus coming to his house, he swallowed and he said, Thank you. (laughs) And he turned around and left. And friend, oh, this is faith. This is faith. This is faith. I preached a sermon some years ago on the trip home. Anybody know what I mean by that? This is before the days of texting. Before the days of cell phones or cars. It took them a while to get back home. And what do you think was going on with him? 
all the way home. The devil's the same rascal. Sorry. I'm not going to cry when he gets what's coming to him. Are you? He's the same lying, deceiving being that he's always been. You know he jumped on this guy's shoulder and said, what are you doing? What are you? You better go back and get him. You don't have time. You know how low your boy was. He was about dead when you left. But if you get all the way there, you don't have time to turn around and come back and get him and get back there. You better go back and beg him and plead him to come. How many know that would have been unbelief? And is Jesus going to change for him? No, he doesn't change. Once he's heard from the Father, he's not going to change this. What did he have to do with that? He had to cast that down, didn't he? He had to cast that down, didn't he? All the way home. All the way home. If it came up a thousand times, he had to throw it down a thousand times. He goes, no, no. Jesus said he lives. Yeah, but you saw how bad he looked when you left. And, and you go run out of time here. And you know, shut up. Shut up. How many of sometimes you need to open your mouth and say, shut up. Shut up. Thoughts will come to your mind. They'll try to they'll pelt you and. Yeah, but you got to have that money in three days. And, and where is it going to come? Say, shut up. You need to practice it. Say, shut up, shut up. I'm not talking about you telling people to shut up. I'm talking about you telling the one that's bringing those thoughts and voices and feelings of unbelief. For you to quit, to make you afraid, to shake you, to disturb you, trouble you, upset you. There are times you need to just speak right out loud and go, shut up, shut up. You're not talking to the Lord. You're not talking to yourself. You're talking to the enemy, the one that's bringing these thoughts and feelings to you. And it wouldn't surprise me at all if numerous times all the way home, he had to think that and say that. Shut up. No. He's going to be dead when you get there. He's going to be dead. He's going to shut up, shut up. Jesus said, Jesus said, go your way. He lives, and that's what I'm doing. Had to keep telling himself that all the way home. And before he could get to the house, here's some people from his house coming to meet him. What do you think the devil told him? (laughs) What do you think the devil told him? Uh, It's too late. Too late now, he's dead. Too late. And do you know even then, if he could, if he'd have got in belief and started screaming and crying and started running back to Jesus, even after the things had changed in the boy's life, he could have lost that. He could have lost it and died. It's the truth. But he's been practicing this for the last 15 miles. Right? He's pretty good at it now. Shut up. Jesus said, my boy lives. And my boy lives. He might have got a song on the way. My boy lives. My boy lives. All the sickness is gone away. Jesus said, my boy lives. My boy lives. My boy lives. And while you're trying to sing it, thoughts will come up. Yeah, but did you see how yellow his eyes were? And you know how he was drawn up? Come on, tell me what you say. Shut up. Shut up. And then you sang verse 2. 
Now you know I'm not just talking about him. I'm talking about you. I'm talking about you. What you do tonight. What you do tomorrow. Don't fixate on something. And think that the Lord or somebody else has to do it that way. You got to be open. Let him tell you how to do it. And when he tells you. Quit begging and quit trying to get somebody to do something a different way. Believe God. Before you see. Before you feel. Hold on. And what happened? Come on, tell me what they said. Instead of them saying he's dead, tell me what they said. Tell me what they said. Oh, your son lives. That's what he'd been singing all the last ten miles. That's what Jesus said. How many know when you say what Jesus said, sooner or later, they're going to have to say what you and Jesus been saying all along. Phyllis and I have seen this time after time after time. When you started out, you were the only one saying it. Everybody else was saying something else. And sometimes you might have had to stand sometimes for years on things. But eventually, other people, and it it kind of makes you smile because everybody's saying it now. And you're thinking, man, sure wish you'd have been saying it with me back there then. It would have helped me out. But you got to be willing to stand alone if need be. Because really, you're never alone. The greater one's with you. And if you'll say what he said, he'll do what you say. And eventually, they'll say. They'll say it too. And he said, uh, tell me, tell me, when did this happen? Tell me the exact time when he began to amend, when he started to get better. They said, we know it was yesterday exactly at the seventh hour. And he said, That's exactly when Jesus told me that. Friend, when we get in faith, even though you may not be able to see it, things start. The moment we release our faith, it may be miles away, different time zones, different places. How many know no amount of distance or time affects or changes the power of faith and the power of God's Word? We can believe God right here and something happened the same time on the other side of the world. He said at the seventh hour the fever left him. And the father knew that it was at the same hour in which Jesus said to him, Your son lives. And himself believed and his whole house. How many think that was a happy time in that man's house? I'm telling you, the boy is sitting up there and he wants some of grandma's uh, soup and, and bread and pie. And he's happy. He's alive. They're all celebrating. And it's because he quit hollering about come to my house. And was willing to change and do what the Lord told him. And he was willing to cast down all those thoughts all the way home. And say only what the Lord said. And they got a miracle. The Bible said this was the second miracle that happened in Jesus' ministry. The first being the turning of water into wine. Do you believe he would do these kind of things for you? And for your family? If you'd believe like this? Stand on your feet everybody. We did this in the first service. I think we ought to do it in this service. I think we ought to pray and release our faith. For loved ones that might be at home, our home state, our home country. Do you think we could pray and believe God here right now? And he'd touch people in other towns, other states, even other countries, other time zones. I want you to think just a moment. Are there people, your friends, your family, maybe they're sick, maybe they're bound with bad habits. 
Maybe their head's all fogged up with stuff and they're away from God. Can you believe God today? Can we pray? Now, you know, maybe you've been struggling, but we're going to add our faith with yours. We're going to join with you today. Are you ready? Close your eyes. Let me lead you in a prayer. Say it out loud. Father God, we believe you. We trust you. You are the miracle worker. Forgive us for ever trying to tell you how to do things. Being set in our ways. Trying to get you to do something our way. Instead of listening to you. Doing it your way. You're the Lord. Not us. We yield to you. We purpose to do it your way. We know healing, deliverance, restoration, miracles are your will and you're well able to do it. And so we pray today while we stand here in this place and time, we pray for people, family members, children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, friends, co-workers in different towns, in different states, in different countries, different time zones, but we ask you to do miracles in their lives. Darkness, come off of their minds. Eyes, be enlightened to the truth. Sickness, diseases, leave their bodies, be gone from them. Bondages, habits, be broken, be loosed from off them in the name of Jesus. We say be free, be set free, be loosed, be restored, be made whole, be healed, be drawn to God. In Jesus' name. Now come on, believe Him right now. Expect. Expect things to happen right now. All over the state, all over the country, all over the world. Lord, we're believing you for miracles right now. Come on, keep believing. Expect. Oh, thank you, Lord. Oh, things are happening. Things are happening up north. Oh, thank you, Lord. In those cities, things are happening. In the south, all over, all over, all over. Oh, Lord, I praise you. Lord, I give you glory. Lord, I thank you for hearing. I thank you for doing. I thank you for making it different now. Oh, thank you. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. 
For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.